The Bible Study Podcast, Episode 97. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues with Hebrews 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We left off with chapter 9, verse 10 last week, and so we're going to continue on starting in verse 11. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption." The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more, then, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God? So the author here is continuing the analogy that he started earlier, which is that as there was an earthly tabernacle, which was a model of or a vision into that heavenly tabernacle where God dwells, so there was sacrifices of blood and goats in the Old Testament that was started with the giving of the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. That sacrificial system was set up by which the high priest would go in, especially on the Day of Atonement, and would they would sacrifice the animals, they would enter into the Holiest of Holies, they would sprinkle the blood on the people, and they would be made clean, they would be made right with God. And he's saying that foreshadows the sacrifice that is Christ, that is Christ giving himself up for us. And again, this is why we don't continue as Christians with the sacrificial system, because this has been done. It's been done once for all in a perfect way that doesn't need repeating. It doesn't need the lesser sacrifice of the blood of goats and calves. And did you notice here that the author also says, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. The idea here is that sin, that separation is also a separation from the source of life, which is God. And so all of the acts that are sinful, all of the things that we do that lead us away from God, lead us to death and away from life. And the author continues, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. So, new tabernacle, new sacrifices, new high priest, all better than the old one, and at the same time, then a new covenant is being set up. So, there was a covenant with Abraham, there was a covenant then with the people in the wilderness, and now there's a covenant because of Christ, who is this mediator of a new covenant. And he died as a ransom to set us free from the sins committed, that basically a price needed to be paid we were owned by sin until this ransom was paid. And this perfect life that was lived was the ransom that was needed to set us free, to buy us out of bondage. And the theological term we use for that is redemption, that we're redeemed, we were paid, a price was paid for us, and that price was Christ. 
and the chapter continues, In the way of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when somebody has died. It never takes effect when the one who made it is living. This is why even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every commandment of the law to all the people, he took the blood of calves together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. He said, This is the blood of the covenant which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. This is obviously a very bloody chapter. This is a chapter that deals with the very theological use of blood within the Old and the New Covenants. And you probably don't use, as a laundry detergent, for instance, blood for many, many reasons. But when we're talking about sin, what the author here is saying is that which cleanses sin is blood. And so that is what was needed to seal the Old Covenant. Did you notice that he's saying that in that first covenant, when they brought down the law, when they they had that, they sprinkled the law, they sprinkled the people, they sprinkled the tabernacle with the blood to seal the covenant. That basically it took the blood of sacrifices to put that covenant into place. And literally they're sprinkling blood everywhere. And then similarly, that this new covenant, this second covenant that is made with us now through Jesus is put into place because of the sacrifice that he sheds, because of his blood, which not only washes us clean, but enables then a new covenant, fulfilling the old covenant and allowing the new covenant. And then again, the term that was used in the first paragraph that we read today was sanctify. And I didn't mention at that time, sanctify is one of those, again, theological words, but the word is that process by which we become holy. And so we're accepted by God through the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus when we are not perfect, when we are very much unclean and needing to be covered by this blood. And the idea here is that the wage of sin is death. And when we, when God looks at us, because of our sin, we would normally be under judgment. But because we've been redeemed and we're covered by this blood, it's like the blood of the Passover lamb. Again, this is the first sacrifice that happens in the people of Israel, is that Passover lamb that is sacrificed and then the blood is spread on the doorpost and the lintel of the door so that the Passover when the angel of the Lord came, he passed over those houses. He saw the blood that was covering these houses. And similarly, that we are covered by the blood of the Lamb. And that's why that is one of the titles of Jesus. And that when God sees that blood, he passes over judgment. He treats it as though Jesus' righteousness was our righteousness. But then the process by which we change from being accepted as we are, God loves us as we are, but loves us too much to leave us as we are. 
and that process by which he draws us to him and he changes us into his likeness more and more is sanctification. Being made holy is really what that means literally. And again, the other thing that I didn't mention is the other role of Jesus that's mentioned in here is mediator. He mediates the new covenant. And what does a mediator do? If you had a dispute with someone and you did not yet want to go to court, there's that step in between sometimes of mediation, which is to try and take the two parties and draw them closer to each other to get them to agree. And so Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant is again like that role we set of priest is to to bridge the gap, to draw closer. And the chapter continues, it was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one, He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world, but now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. And again, this is really just a summary of these concepts that the author has been talking about. Again, the earthly sanctuary, the heavenly sanctuary where God dwells, and the sacrifices of sheep and goats, and now the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice of the Christ. And when we say Christ, remember that's not a name, that's a title, which means the anointed one of God. And it is a kingly title. Anointing is generally something we associate with kingship. And so he enters into heaven, and that one sacrifice he does, he does once. And then through that one sacrifice, when we face judgment, again, he loans us his righteousness. Basically, he takes our sin and puts it on his account. And then with his sacrifice, he wiped those accounts clean. So that God could be both righteous, calling an accounting of the things that we do, and loving, taking that penalty on himself. And with that, we'll bring an end to this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to post them on thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email at host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And as always, thanks so much for listening. There's nothing in this world that he cannot do. If we truly allow his love. We can do nothing without him. Anything that we do apart from him is not something that's permanent. We all need his grace. That's everybody. We are all broken people on our way to a place that we believe is, is waiting on us in heaven. You can find more of Bridges with Monica Schmelter at lifeaudio.com. In Christ, we are all one family. Amen.